dogs in the yard Might need a guard Every loss taken to heart Me first, that cannot be Must be these underdog episodes, see? Feeling much better, so suddenly Under the Monica, Monica G Crafted at night while all of them sleep I won't look a fool Taking this tool, defeating the opposition around me No, no, I'm not sorry Yes, I'm taking this knowledge and party Just barking, no harm, don't be startled Yes, I'm taking the title And it's so vital Thanks for the ride, I'll never be idle Turn up the dial, it's about to get wild And the points gon' pile up Down is the underdog fight down Up at the day and the night now Easy as flying a kite now Come take a look at it right now Down is the underdog fight down Up at the day and the night now Easy as flying a kite now Come take a look at it right now Hey everyone, welcome to episode 151 of Dynasty Underdog. I'm your host, Ray Dawkins, and with me tonight, Billy Beeman. What's up, man? Not lagging. The stream's all caught up. So I'm stoked, man. I'm always getting hyped listening to myself on the intro, man. I'm, I'm ready for a good episode tonight. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Intro's so good. I love it, too. You nailed it. Yeah. We have to have a, another remix someday. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Uh, it's due for a remix, man. It, that thing's probably... What two years old now? Like that the remix of the original, which is like the original, three, yeah. almost three or four years old now. Yeah, it's crazy. That's gotta be pretty close. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's just uh, hop into some news and nonsense then. This one's fun to announce just because you know it's a big deal. If you're on fantasy Twitter at all, you're probably well aware of a contest called Scott Fishbowl, a contest for charity, raises money for Toys for Tots. Um, does a great job. They raise a ton of money for kids. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, rocking uh, last Rapping year. No, the year let's before, go. Year before, actually. Yeah, the that's one of my favorite ones, shirts. by the way. That's one of my favorite yeah. ones. Yeah. That's like pretty much all I wear out and about. Yeah, I my, get it. <laughs> my kid's like, how many Scott Fishbowl shirts do you have? Like, I oh. certainly have more Scott Fishbowl shirts than I have of any other article of clothing, like brand-wise. Like, definitely most. I have like, I have two Cowboys jerseys and like four Scott Fishbowl shirts. <laughs> All right, that ratio needs to change, clearly. I know. I, know. I think it's the same for me with the Patriots, by the way. Yeah. I'm always worried about buying jerseys. But but yeah, so uh, we as a pod will be sponsoring the uh, Podathon. This will be our fourth year in a row, and just happy to do it. So tune into that when it comes up. The Podathon is awesome. Just a bunch of fantasy guys talking about uh, charity and stuff, talking about life experiences, their experiences in Scott Fishbowl. Um, a lot of these people like didn't really have a following or, or a community with something they wanted to promote content creators and stuff like that. And it was able for people to reach out to the fantasy community, which is mostly really nice and friendly and it's just a good way for people to connect. So check that out. Absolutely. And just, uh, I mean, there's a, there's so many people who are involved with the, the back end, you know, ongoings of, of Scott Fishbowl that, you know, make it happen, make the pot happen, get all the money, collect everything, you know, that whole nine yards. But I do want to give a special shout out to Dave Wright, uh, at FF Spaceman on Twitter, he mm-hmm. does a ton, a ton with the organization in terms of, uh, you know, the guest list, getting all of the sponsors, getting everything together. I know it's just, uh, it's a, it's a lot of work. I know it is, but he does a great job and he, you know, he does it willingly and, and, you know, he loves doing it. So just big shout out to him. He's my guy. He's, you know, I'm, I always connect with him every year uh, when Scott Fishbowl comes around to make sure that we get involved and can do anything we can to help out. And, uh, and yeah, so stoked to be sponsor one once again. All right, some more Patriots news. It seems like I, I try to find something every week, and you're just like, I don't want to talk about it. But hey, man, super smart Patriots. They, they go ahead and give Devontae Parker the magical fifth year breakout, <laughs> a a a, a three year deal. I just got why. 
Yeah, I mean, like again, we we don't we shouldn't really care too much about in the money. It's not really our business, and it doesn't matter for our purposes. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, it really you know makes me think that DeAndre Hopkins is probably not an option for them anymore. Maybe they got word that he's you know looking elsewhere is going to wait a while, and they want to secure that room. I mean, it was his last year there for for Parker, but yeah, I mean, I don't love it. <laughs> he's been fine. He, you know, he, he doesn't get any separation. He's, he's really more of a contested catch guy. And I guess there's a place for that, but yeah, I mean, they certainly invested a good amount of money in him. Belichick loves him probably more than he should. And he's done this with a, a good deal of players later in his career where he's probably kept them around, given them a deal that they probably not don't deserve, but no other team really would. There's really wasn't, you know, that market for them. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, it's just a curious kind of, decision I, I don't love it for fantasy i mean he's there and he's you know he might be a good like flex fill in here and there but we're talking about wide receivers at that range is virtually useless to me yeah it's just not i was listening to like uh evan silva uh, adam leviton the establish the run thing and they're talking about you know trying to invest a little bit in the patriots offense as ugly as it sounds it's so so cheap but i think it's more i don't think for dynasty purposes any of us really want to jump in those waters but if you're doing like best ball or uh redraft uh, you could get a piece of that offense for cost you nothing but yeah um Devontae parker don't care glad you got it glad you got another deal though yeah i mean if i'm investing in that offense i'm definitely going more on like the gesicki side of things you know yeah. and that he kind of sets himself apart in terms of the passing game uh, from Hunter Henry, I mean, but I, I just don't think Devontae Parker is going to give you enough consistency regularly. He's going to be like a, a big play guy and probably not even a big play fantasy type, more like, you know, he'll be like a 30 yard reception here and there in a game and, and maybe a, a couple more and have 50 yards and two or three catches. It's like, yeah, that's not going to, it's not going to cut it. Three for three for 30 and a touchdown uh, right. three times a year. Right, yeah. right. I mean, again, like yeah. go invest in Tyquan Thornton, go invest in Pierre Strong. Like there's a lot of other cheap, options you don't need to worry about Devonta parker so yeah we can stop talking about him what happened to jacoby myers <laughs> he, he's in vegas Where, where'd he go he's in vegas vegas with, okay with, uh, no, thanks. adams another Devonta. i know he got a, i know he got a, a deal which i was pretty happy for so yeah i think that's a good spot for him yeah. this next one there's a video clip of kind of a behind the scenes with miles sanders and the coaching staff there in carolina and they were talking about uh miles sanders wants to catch the ball more and they were aware that he once upon a time had a 50 catch season. Um, do you buy it? This is Frank Reich, right? So I saw somebody had pointed out that Frank Reich's RB2s uh, rarely or if ever have surpassed 20% of rushing opportunity. So RB2s? That holds, You're, oh, his RB2s yeah, got exactly. you. Yeah, exactly. So the, whoever the backup is, so assuming Miles Sanders is the guy there, which he probably is. Um, you know, if he could get 75% of the work share, work, workload there, like, that is kind of enticing. I'm not even a Miles Sanders guy, but, like, just the opportunity there is kind of nice. And if he is going to catch more balls, wheels up. But it's really hard to, like, see this happening just based off of the little interview they had on, on uh, YouTube. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I will say this. I've been actually – this is why doing stuff like your own rankings and projections and stuff like that can be very helpful – uh, like doing the film analysis, like, they, you know, everybody's like, you can go and just look at somebody else's work. But for me, like doing the actual work is a big part of it and seeing like how each 
piece falls into place for the projections is, is a big part of it, right? When you're when you're basically like manually like deciding, you know, the the percentage of the rush opportunities they're going to get and so on and so forth, you actually get to look at the team and say like realistically how much can this person actually get right and i i got to carolina in doing the projections and you know maybe probably over overestimating the potentially the yards per reception and and the yards per attempt on the rushes but i you know you go by career averages you try to do something that is you know something more stable that you can look back to historically he uh, i think on average is like five yards a carry and six yards a reception right so like I just went with that baseline and his numbers are are just ridiculous. I gave him like a 10% target share, which isn't that much, right? Which gives him 54 targets, 38 receptions, 227 yards, two touchdowns, and then I gave him 60% of the rushing attempt share cuz like they don't have anybody. Like and I even gave 25% and like you said, Doug Peterson or not Doug Peterson, um Frank Reich doesn't do this, but I I just had no other way to like split it to make it make sense in my head where like I'm not giving Miles Sanders like 350 touches you know what i mean or 350 carries so giving him just 60 percent of the of the rushing attempts it's 294 attempts for you know 1400 yards essentially and eight touchdowns which is a pretty pretty stellar season now i think probably got to come back on the yards per carry and the yards per reception just having a rookie quarterback just a new offense you know what i mean the whole nine yards so uh, those numbers may come down a bit but the sheer volume i just don't see how it's not there. And I'm not, a you know me, I'm not a Miles Sanders guy, but I don't mm-hmm. see how he's not getting immense volume. I like that. I mean, 54 targets is pretty good, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I made that trade in a uh, console wars where I moved from the 104 spot down to 106 and I picked up Montgomery. Well, I had offers out to two other uh, lead mates for Miles Sanders. And that's, I kind of wanted him a little more in money. So, but. Right. As you, as you should. Yeah. As you should, for sure. All right. So this one comes from uh, Jordan Rodrigue. She writes for The Athletic, and uh, she did a pod or whatever, and somebody pulled the quote from her, and she's saying, hey, this is Cam Akers. Oh, yeah, so she writes for the Rams. I should probably say that. But <clears throat> she said this is Cam Akers' job to lose. The Rams want him to be their lead back. They need him to be their lead back. Look, it's really hard to buy into Cam Akers when I've been out on him for since he was drafted. But again... There's not really anybody else there. Sonny Michelle, they just added, but like, I'm not worried about Sonny Michelle. Maybe I should be, but I'm I'm just not. Like, is this the year to invest in Cam Akers? There's also what Kyron Williams and Zach Zach Evans there. Sure. So there's yeah, there's definitely opportunity I think for other guys to kind of carve out some work. But another year removed from from the Achilles injury, you know, you hope so. But I again, I don't even I think that it could take longer than that to really get right for these guys. You see Foreman, it took him years to get Dante Foreman took him years to really yep. get right. So even so, I'm not a big I'm not a big believer in Cam Akers post injury and his explosiveness. So I you know, I think that he's going to get a lot of work. They're gonna to try to work him a good bit, but the team's not gonna be their their offensive line's not what it used to be when they had a really good rushing attack. It's just not. It's not mm-hmm. what it used to be when they went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, you know, and they're going to have Matthew no, Stafford no. back. So it's going to be a better team than it was last year, no doubt. I just don't, I just don't know how efficient of a runner, he's never been an efficient runner. So I don't think he's going to all of a sudden just become an efficient runner with this offense. So yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be an inefficient fantasy option 
And he's probably going to do a lot of what we've seen him do in the past, in my opinion. I mean, th- this isn't news to me. Like, they've wanted him to be their lead back. They've needed him to be their lead back. And and most of the time when they've given him the opportunity to be the lead back post-injury, he's been fairly disappointing on a per-touch basis. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Just not very efficient at all. Yeah, I know he finished the season, end of season, with some pretty good games. But um, he was getting massive volume, right? So... Yeah, um, I I hope good things for him, but it's really hard to buy into it. I, like I, I want to go one on, share. Keep keep talking. Sorry, I want to go and keep trade cut real quick and see like where his. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, what what's it even worth to you right now, or what what mm-hmm. does it cost to get him? But yeah, I do have the one K maker share in one of the startups with uh, I think Dan Morrison, and I had planned on trying to flip him, but like nobody wants him. So hopefully he comes out the gate just grease lightning, and I could get rid of him, but. So he's going right before DeAndre Swift. He's going before Devin A. Chain, right after Alexander Madison, after Amari Cooper, after Miles Sanders, right after Deontay Johnson. I mean, I guess that's like, okay, value for him, right? I don't know. Yeah, I was going to ask where he was in relation to Miles Sanders, but just right behind him. He's running okay. back twenty two, running back twenty two to running back twenty. Miles Sanders, so just a couple. I okay. mean, I would, cool. I would much rather Miles Sanders personally. Just, I mean, he is two years older, Miles Sanders, but like, just the situation is so much better. And and if you don't really believe in Acres post injury, then the age isn't really as big of a concern. I don't think so. I, I'd almost rather Dondre Swift, to be honest with you. Like, I know Cam Akers is going to get a lot more work, but I think Swift has a little more upside, probably cheaper. I don't know. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one. Wonder if there's an option to move off of Acres to grab Sanders. Definitely, I think there definitely is. I, I think some people probably have him over Sanders, uh, especially okay. with the age and everything. So that might be something to look at. I'm gonna try that. Okay. All right. This next one uh, really got my heart all Twitter pated when I saw you had something here about Sky Moore because I still love the guy. Uh, you said here per read. One of the uh, Sky Moore is one of the most targeted receivers in minicamp, close to the most catches, taking a good jump, and quarterback trusts him, but there's still room to climb. And here you have curated a uh, sheet that has the players with at least one top 24 season for players with the same year one yards and target share. And I didn't want to look at it because I just don't want to believe it. But uh, what stands out to you? Yeah, no, I posted up on the video here. It's It might be kind of small, but uh nonetheless it's there if you want to look at it real quick while i talk about it but no i just thought the list like in it and obviously you can you know people do this in a, in a ton of different ways where they kind of filter down based on you know like his his year one yards were like 250 yards on the year right and his target share was like six like 5.6 or something like really low uh so you know I, I was just doing those two things because like going by his receptions like 20 or 30 receptions like i don't know it didn't seem really fitting so i was trying to do something a little bit more meaningful, you know? And so th- this, do- and again, like I think these comps and stuff aren't always that meaningful, but it's good to look at just kind of historically. What I did here is I just, like your eye said, I just pulled players with 250 yards receiving or less. And uh, I think I did 6% target share or less in their first season who went on to have at least one top 24 season in their career uh, fantasy wise. Right. And so the list is not great. Right. I mean, the top of the list is like Steve Smith and that's Carolina, Steve Smith, like the absolute stud who went on to have nine 
top 24 seasons. But after that, I mean, it's, it's few and far between. You have a Vincent Jackson, definitely a different type of player, right? Uh, Steve Johnson is in there. Stevie Johnson. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else, but it's, you know, Eric Decker, Terrell Pryors, Juwan yep. Johnson, Tyrell Williams, Nate Washington, Jericho Cotri. I mean, throw me back. Wow. Jericho. I know. Cotri. I'm looking at this list and I'm like, wow. Right. Brandon Lloyd. Back to when it all started, you know, Santana Moss, a couple of New York jets. Yeah, exactly. Take it back. Take us back to when it started. So not that this is the end all be all not saying that because these players, you know, were, were this successful and no other players were were this successful who had that same kind of path doesn't mean he won't but i just think looking at it like he he's going to need to be a target hog i think in kc pretty much the slot receiver and the number two three option at all times for him to really return i think the kind of value you're looking for so i want to believe in sky Moore. i'm a big fan of sky Moore. both me and your eye were big fans of sky Moore coming out i just think that it's it's a tough climb no matter what the coaches say. So I'm a little skeptical. You know, when I look at the sheet, all I'm thinking is, all right, cool. Yeah. Sky Moore is going to be Steve Smith. Yeah. And um, I'll just move on from there and uh, let that, let that be my reality for now. I mean, it's not the worst comp for him. Like they, you know, in stature and, and play style. No, exactly. Like, size and all that. Yeah. yeah now I can see it. Steve Smith had, had that dog in him that, you know, that, it, <laughs> that it factor that's kind of real possible to, to really, you know, tangibly like translate and it's just like nobody else has that. So he would really have to just take it to a whole another level, but you know, not many players have that in them like like Steve did. So I wouldn't expect yeah. it. Yeah. The the chances are Sky Moore is not going to be a big deal uh ever. But I'm still hoping. So cool. Uh what do you have here on Gibbs? This is just, you know, it's hype season. We're talking about Andy Reid hyping up sky more and there's all sorts of camp news and all sorts of different things that, that are coming out about players and i saw this one on twitter the other day and it was from the sleeper nfl account which what's so funny sleeper you know how they they post all those little blurbs and stuff there was nowhere on oh, twitter yeah. that sleeper was posting the blurbs and i'd always been thinking like they should have an account for this and they finally created it and this is it and it's a great account because it's it's helpful for the stuff that <laughs> i did here but what they did is they posted one a video of Jameer Gibbs saying he's not over quote he's not overly power or sorry they posted a tweet saying an NFC scouting director on Jameer Gibbs quote he's not overly powerful but should complement David Montgomery very well in that backfield and I was like interesting let me go read this report right so I went and I actually read the report and I go and find the full quote and it just it's not it doesn't articulate the same perception i think the same idea that that the sleeper tweet gave off right so it's the full quote is quote he's fast elusive instinctive and can break off a big run at any time and nfc scout director told heavy he's not overly powerful but should compliment david montgomery very well in that backfield mm -hmm. so the compliment david montgomery very well in that backfield was secondary to this dude is is a home run waiting to happen at any time you know so it's it's just you got to be careful with these tweets. They're obviously trying to, it's engagement farming. They're trying to get clicks. Go and read the actual quote if you're ever worried, because <laughs> at least 50% of the time, probably more than that, there's going to be more context to the quote that, that I think always gives you a better idea of what's actually being said, what's going on and, and kind of what to, if there's anything actionable from it. And this to me is like, 
yeah, obviously he's going to compliment David Montgomery's, you know, <laughs> run up the middle 15 times a game or 10 times a game or whatever. Anyway, uh, just read, you know, go read the full stories. Don't believe every little headline you see. And this is a perfect example of it. And I mean, that's a life lesson when you're yeah. out there uh, yeah. reading news or whatever it happens to be. It's the same thing. Those headlines are always trash, but they get you to click. And that's the thing, right? Yep. Well, I read it. I was like, I don't know. Let me go see this. What do you mean? Like, is, <laughs> like I like David Montgomery too, but I, they don't like him as much as I do. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a good one to go check out and and highlight for the people. So cool. Uh, okay, real quick before we hop into some dynasty trades, we're moving along pretty fast here. I wanted to bring up I wanted to bring up something that I actually I think I broached the idea with John Hogue on the Superflex Super Show a couple of weeks ago when I recorded with him, talking a little bit about because he's the QB extreme guy. QBX mm-hmm. is his his strategy that he came up with, which is essentially prioritizing quarterbacks through the third, fourth, fifth quarterback, foregoing positional values because as soon as that drafts over, the quarterbacks will immediately gain so much value that you can then go and get really anything you want, need, and probably get plus value on top of it. That's at least the idea. And it is definitely a solid strategy if you can execute it properly and and especially if you can get you know four top quarterbacks that you're not like ever going to be worried about falling off the face of the earth that is I think the most viable strategy he is a little bit more flexible with it I think a little more loose with it where he's willing to go for you know I think closer to the bottom third of the quarterbacks in the league which I think is a little bit of a dangerous game to play your eye and I have found that out ourselves in practice so what I said to him on the Superflex show is you know I've been building a lot of teams where I don't prioritize a third quarterback, like almost at all. Now, if I can get one at a good value towards like the double digit rounds, you know, a couple of those guys fall Jimmy G, whatever, if those guys fall, sure. I'd love to go ahead and get, you know, my third quarterback in that form that, that way. But I don't like reaching for a third quarterback because there's just not much positional advantage to the, the bottom third quarterbacks in the league, they aren't really get, they, they almost won't ever score the same points that your QB two will score, right? They, they likely won't score as many points as a running back or a wide receiver. You could throw into that super flex spot, would score uh, for the most part, right? Obviously there's certain guys who, who pop off. There's certain guys who, you know, break out obviously that we weren't expecting, but by and large, there's just not much advantage to having a third quarterback on your team that's not somewhere in the top 15 to 20 quarterbacks, right? Because they're just not giving you any value over replacement, first of all, within the position. But even outside of that, they're not really giving you an advantage compared to other positions as well, at least based on what I've seen. Then you go and add into, this was something that was brought up, and I totally give JJ, Zacharyson all the credit on this. He brought up like an extra part of this, which was that the bottom third of the league turns over almost every year in from the quarterback position, right? They, it changes. Like you're going to get rookies who come in guys who fade out, you know, just Carson Wentz's like all, you know, there's countless examples of this. So I pulled up because I'm on a a VORP kick over the last couple of weeks. Why not? Right. Had some data to play with. So I averaged out the running back and wide receivers VORP average VORP on a per game basis. And then I took quarterback and did the same thing I did with them in the last couple of weeks, if you've been with us. And I did their average for within the top eight, top 12, and then the 13 through 36, 
right? Just to look at like the value over replacement within the position of quarterbacks and then kind of look at it compared to running backs and wide receivers. And if you're with us on YouTube, you can see like pretty significant difference here. Just within the position though, quarterback at the, you know, within the top eight, there, there's, it, it's a pretty flat position in terms of scoring, right? Like there's not, you're not getting a ton of advantage even at the top. At the top, you're getting eight points, eight and a half points advantage in terms of value over replacement for the quarterback position. When you look at the running back wide receiver on average, it's 13.9. It's a pretty stark difference, right? You go into the top 12, it's 7.1 for for the quarterback. And then you go 13 to 36 for the quarterback and it's 0.38, 0.38. Like it flattens to ungodly levels. Like you don't want to touch that. But these are the players that you're prioritizing as your third quarterback, right? Like somewhere in that 13 to 36 range, that's where you're getting your third quarterback most likely, right? Super flat within even the 13 to 36, right outside the top 12, even your quarterback twos are super flat. So you're not getting a super big advantage in general. But what I was looking at was like, in terms of positionally, like, should I just not really worry about the quarterback three and just throw in a wide receiver or a running back if I prioritize running back and wide receiver throughout the draft? So I think that just in terms of points on the face of it, I don't think you're getting a huge advantage from the quarterback position. Obviously, there is dynasty value that that you have to take into account in terms of these quarterbacks. But for me, talking about you know how the bottom third of the league turns over a lot, it just doesn't make sense for me to prioritize that position because if my quarterback two goes down, I don't really think that quarterback three that I drafted is going to save me. And it, I mean, it kind of shows that in terms of the value over replacement within the position, at least. <sighs> Okay, I get what you're saying. Uh, I can't get out of a draft without three, at least. Um, and so I, I was looking at I was looking at our, our league, Dynasty Under, Underdog Listener League uh, Two, which I won last year because I'm just so good at this. <laughs> <laughs> but I had I had drafted I had Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, Tannehill, James Winston, Trevor Lawrence. You I did the, you did the QBX strategy, by the way. They were yeah. just there. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wanted Aaron Rodgers. Uh nobody wanted Tannehill. Uh Trevor Lawrence fell quite a bit too. And he had a really good year. But I lost um I ended up trading him for Tua, but you know, uh Rogers had a down year, Dak missed a ton of time, and I was still able to keep my super flex spot filled with the quarterback. And I'm looking at like who I could have replaced him with. I would have been able to start instead of in my super flex. I could have started like Adam Thielen, or I could have started uh, Romeo Dubs, Chase Claypool. I don't think, at least in this league or the, the specific year, that if I didn't have those extra quarterbacks during the time Dak was out, et cetera, that I would have been able to do that. So, I mean, at least looking at season-long points that any of the wide receivers or running backs I had that would have replaced that super flex spot um, we're talking about a, almost a hundred point difference uh, by the end of the year, you know, uh, eighty at the minimum. So I was just wondering, you know, uh, I know data doesn't lie, data doesn't lie, but I'm like, oh, I just, I, I you're, lived you're it. The, you're I, the data guy. What do you mean? I know. I know. <laughs> no, no, no. So you make you make some some fairly. I mean, you make some reasonable points. Don't get me wrong. I, I think it has to do with the caliber of quarterbacks I had. You know, it hundred percent. Like Winston didn't didn't do anything for me, but I had good solid quarterbacks 
they, they weren't, none of those quarterbacks finished outside the top 20, right? They all finished within the top 20 easy. And so I think, I think that's kind of where you're going there. Like, you know, was it, was it a Mac Jones? That might've been a whole lot different. Maybe I would rather have uh, Adam Thielen there instead of Mac Jones. But uh, okay. I just feel like drafting quarterback heavy did help me with that particular league last year. Yes. And, and again, executed properly, the QBX strategy will work for you every time if, it, if, you, if you execute it properly. And in that case, you had four or five quarterbacks who were hands down starters. Like there wasn't even a question about it. I think the only one you mentioned there out of the five was Jameis, Win- Jameis Winston, who should have started. Should have. But the injury <laughs> and everything I know. happened. No, but, so, but again, you executed properly there where you had so much value in the quarterback position that when you when one went down, you had a you had one who had the value above replacement to go into yeah. that spot. Also, I know what you did in this league. You ended up trading one down the road, which is part of the QBX strategy too. I think you got one back. I think you got one back. I could be wrong, but I think you got one I back. I think you got Tua. Yeah. yeah, dude, ridiculous. You got Tua back and something on top of it. So yeah, yeah. you that was flawless execution. But I think what you're discounting in terms of what you would have to replace them otherwise is that if you didn't go after all those quarterbacks in the draft, what players would you have had? What running backs and wide receivers did you would you have prioritized over them? Now, again, the quarterbacks you chose were damn good quarterbacks, so why would you choose wide receivers running backs over them? I'm certainly not talking about that situation. If they fall to you, by all means, take as many quarterbacks as you can. Start as many solidified starting quarterbacks as you can. That is definitely the caveat. I talked about this with John Hogue and he was like, what, what is, what would you do differently about the QBX strategy? Which is something I guess he had on Tommy Blair, who's really smart kid, doesn't have a following guy. I don't know why I say kid, but really smart dude. Doesn't really have a following, but should, um, he's probably going to gain one because he was on there again. But his whole thing was like, let me get as many top eight quarterbacks as I can on my team. Let me get four or five of them. I don't care about running back wide receiver. Cause I'll just trade them for you know i'll just make it up some other way i'll trade but i'm gonna have all the position i'm gonna have all the value in a super flex league and i think that's the way to do it is yes go after all the the stable quarterbacks because you're not gonna stable. hurt yourself that way your i and i did it where we took five six quarterbacks but they weren't really stable assets and then we had a really hard time getting rid of them we ended up doing really well getting rid of them it just took a lot of patience which i don't think everybody has so i'm just looking at a league that I drafted a couple months ago where I essentially went, so I essentially went Tua as my QB one and I made a little trade to get up there from the, from the fourth round. And I went Kirk cousins as my QB two, And I didn't, I don't, I didn't draft another quarterback in that league at all. After those quarterbacks, I'm not going to mention the ones before that. Well, I guess I can, but like, I, you know, just my picks before that are Justin Jefferson Jamar Chase, Tyree Kill, Devonta Smith, or sorry, uh, Tyree Kill, Debo Samuel. Then after the quarterbacks that I picked, I forego all quarterbacks to go Calvin Ridley, J.K. Dobbins, or no, sorry, not J- Calvin Ridley, Pat Fairmuth. Sorry, I made some trades here. David Montgomery, uh, David Njoku, right over, let me see what quarterbacks were here. Guys like Will Levis. And it would have been Jimmy Garoppolo, Brock Purdy, Desmond Ritter, those kind of mm, quarterbacks, right? I see. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. you see what I'm saying is like they're prioritizing going for these quarterbacks at the bottom half where you can see that their value over replacement is negligible at best, at best. 
why wouldn't I prioritize the other positions that I know are going to last longer and I can go get a QB likely another way. You know what I mean? So I think it definitely, it definitely is dependent on how the draft falls, right? If your league is not prioritized, if your league's not prioritizing the quarterbacks in the 12 to 15 range, you probably should be prioritizing those guys. If you actually go and dig into the data, it's like a, it's like a massive fall off after I think it was Derek Carr last year. I forgot what he was. It was like quarterback 17 or something. I forgot exactly where it was, but it's like the, the value, it just goes almost to zero instantly. It's like gone. So if you can get up in there, obviously that is, you're going to have a significant advantage over your league mates and you're going to make it so that some people are playing more of a one QB league than a super flex league because you've taken yeah. all that value. So but if you don't execute it properly, you're going to miss on the right quarterbacks. You're not going to have the QBX strategy, really. Most people aren't going to buy into that that BS. And so it just depends. Like a lot of the drafts that I've been doing, I'm at the back end. So the quarterbacks I'm getting probably aren't going to be the best. And so that kind of dictates my strategy of saying, let me forego the third quarterback because it's not going to make sense for this team. So I just think that in Superflex, we are hardwired to just believe that, you know, quarterback, no matter what, always value is is best. And from a dynasty perspective, it definitely matters. Like Desmond Ritter, if he does well, his dynasty value shoots up more than some running backs and wide receivers. So that that obviously goes into the calculation. I'm not just saying look at points and that's it. But I'm saying on a from a perspective of points, I don't think you need to prioritize QB three and forego all dynasty value and just go for like, I need to get this quarterback. He's even if he's Ryan Tannehill, gotta get my third quarterback no matter you don't you don't need to do that. I like that. All right. Yeah, it's a good discussion. Yeah. No, I, I like you pushing back on me, by the way. Like it, it, cause. Well, I had to, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I can't question the data acquisition. He's very good at this. So I was like, damn, it just doesn't make sense based off what I've seen. But realizing that the, Q, the QBs that I actually selected in that league were pretty good. So. Yeah. We've been talking a lot about like value over replacement and a lot of these different things, but there, there is a marrying of production versus value and like this is just looking at it to me it's more looking at it from a production perspective and and kind of saying like where do i need to make the cutoff in terms of like prioritizing dynasty value versus prioritizing production within you know positions and and kind of looking at that thing so it's just it's just a way to kind of like i guess it's more like breaking a a bad habit of just believing something because it's said all the time like i I don't think you know super flex makes you feel like quarterbacks no matter what but i think there's a little more nuance to it than that is all that's what it is i love that it's just like if you started a job anywhere especially like in industry and you see the way that the old timers are doing things and if you question it that was the way we've always done it and when you know deep down, okay, well, there are other ways. You know, this doesn't have to be the way. Just because it works, kind of. Yeah. Interesting. I like it. You know, you know, it's funny. Along those same lines, I've been thinking about the running back age cliff a lot. Yeah. Because we have a good deal of running backs who are still pretty good, we think at least, who are entering that 26, 27-year-old season. And people don't want to let go. And I've been thinking, like, I like a lot of the research on – value of replacement a lot of the research on running back age cliff is is like not necessarily up to date like some some people may have it but i don't see like the widely distributed like up-to-date information like here's like you know where where we are now in terms of running back age cliff 
based on the new data, the new seasons, whatever. And I, I just, I've, I've been kind of interested in pulling that too and seeing like, are they falling off at the same rate at 27 or are they maintaining a little bit longer just, you know, as technology and health in sports gets better. I don't know. Just something I've been thinking about because I don't think we always like, and the reason I said this is, you know, you're saying like the, the, the old heads have a certain way of doing it. And I think we just take what we hear and forget that the data could be, or the research could be like five years old and like things may have changed a little bit, which is what I think personally, that's what I think I found slightly with the VORP in terms of the wide receiver running back discussion we had a couple of weeks ago. Like it's not the same as it was you know, four or five years ago. It's just different. So, sorry. Thank, yeah, thanks for joining my TED Talk. No, that's really good. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. I mean, you get the, the data and it just like, especially like, you know, for me when it hit, hits and it kind of just like uh, proves my priors a little wrong. So I enjoy that stuff. All right. So let's hop into some trades and non-trades. The first one's mine. So I'll just talk about it. I uh, got an offer for my Dak Prescott and Stefan Diggs for Bryce Young and Christian Watson. Now, I didn't accept it because I don't need Bryce Young and I don't like Christian Watson. I have Dak and Diggs and I have a plan. So simply, I just rejected it. I didn't look at value or any of that stuff to think about too much. What I did think about, though, was if I was going for it, uh, trying to compete, and I had Bryce Young and Christian Watson. This is the type of deal I would try to send out to somebody, try my best to get digs and deck. Like, I I respect um, where this person was coming from. I think it's a good move if you could do that. If you could get somebody to send you Dak and digs uh, for your Bryce Young and Christian Watson, maybe something plus on top of it, I think that's a smart move. It just didn't make sense for my team. So I, I kept Dak and digs. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that the Dak and Diggs side is, is the way to go. I think people are much too high on Christian Watson. I mean, mm-hmm. if, you, if you talk to a Packers fan, they think he's the next Randy Moss. So yeah, <laughs> by all, by all means, especially if you're contending, go ahead and sell Christian Watson for Diggs. I mean, I'm sure you can get something like that done without, mm-hmm. without giving too much up. So yeah, this is, again, I, I think I respect the hustle just like you do something that that I would do if I had those assets and was trying to to continue to compete and, and go get some some vet assets that I that I know what they are and not go for you know the box keep the boat yeah okay cool so I have a bunch of nonsense here cool so I don't even know if any of these are yeah I don't think I made a single trade but a bunch of stuff I wanted to talk about so along those lines of like the the running back age cliff and all that stuff right Chubb uh, Nick Chubb versus Stefan Diggs just thoughts on like how close that is and like how much longevity each has in the league still, right? Because Stefan Diggs 29 going on 30 and Nick Chubb 27. I don't know if he's going on 28, but he's 27 for sure. So like, do you think that there's a massive, I mean, in terms of startups, like they're going probably a couple rounds apart, but if somebody, if you had Stefan Diggs and somebody sent you Nick Chubb straight up, just say in a vacuum, forget your team makeup. How would you feel about that? I think it's probably fair. If I needed a running back, I think I think I'd probably just stick stick with. Man, it's hard. Two things like I, I think that their uh, longevity in the league is probably pretty close. Mm-hmm. Like they have probably both got like two good years left. I mean, realistically, right? Uh, Chubb maybe a little less. Diggs. I mean, I don't see Diggs playing until he's thirty five. Um, would I try to trade one of these guys straight up? It would depend on what I need in my team, but I feel like they should be going 
nearly back to back in, in uh, startups. Yeah, Chubb is is going, I think, two rounds behind Stefan Diggs, or at least around that. So that seems that seems steep. Yeah, there may be some opportunity to go grab. Well, I mean, Chubb's getting so much hype. Maybe there's not. I don't know. But in this specific deal, maybe there is some opportunity to go get Chubb plus for Diggs, which would be pretty incredible, I think. But yeah, I do think it's inter- it's an interesting conversation. Again, talking about like since we've been talking about the value of a replacement so much lately, I have it in my head that like if Chubb's going to be a top eight back, which is most likely given his situation, he's going to be more valuable than Stefan Diggs in terms of point scoring for you this weekend, this weekend, this season. Not yet. In terms of point scoring this season. So yeah, if you need a running back and like you're good at receiver, it's probably a, a solid deal. Like if you're trying to secure a title, Nick Chubb might do that this year for you. I saw this on Twitter and like, I think, and I, I kind of agreed initially, like, yeah, this, this offer is crazy for Stefan Diggs, but I mean, despite the startup value, which I think is probably, the market's probably wrong. I think it's probably a closer trade than people want to admit, to be honest. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I mean, obviously the, I think. Especially I think, in Dynasty, right? I mean, what, what yeah. we're looking at is you have, sorry, but you have uh, no, no. two usable assets for your team. One's a running back, one's a wide receiver. But I think they're going to be serviceable for your team for about the same amount of time. No, I, I, I think you're right. I don't see Diggs playing for a whole bunch more than Chubb does. I think that you can probably lock in an extra year from Diggs simply sure. simply because just factoring in like injury and wear and tear on the running back position, like Nick Chubb taking three, like he's going to take what, 200 plus carries over the next two seasons if he's there easily. For sure, yeah. Right? And yeah. I'm being generous, probably 250 plus it's what he does yeah it's what he does so that is insane on the like the, we're, we're talking about like zeke level type stuff like where he's just going to be a shell of himself in a couple of years so that is going to happen if you're okay with that kind of dying on your roster and you don't need stefan Diggs, then yeah 100 man like it, it, it makes some sense but again i think given the startup value right now you should try getting getting chubb plus for stefan Diggs. like he's literally a two-round value right it, it makes no sense like you may as well try to get a second on top or something right like sure yeah i don't mind that at all all right anyway okay i this one was one i ma- i noted a couple of weeks ago and i was listening to the fantasy footballers who are great obviously but i do think that i do think that their dynasty opinions miss the mark sometimes because they're so redraft focused i i honestly don't think that they have a super what, what what's the word I'm looking for? But a super clear idea of of the overall like market perception of like what picks are worth and whatnot. And they were saying in a super flex league that Russell Wilson wasn't worth a first. And like, would you trade your mid first for Russell Wilson? Yeah. Like a mid twenty four first right now. Would you trade that for Russell Wilson? Yeah. What if you can guarantee your pick was a one point oh five next year? Would you trade that for Russell Wilson? Uh yeah, I mean, I mean, unless I was like total like <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, unless I was like just total uh, uh rebuild mode where I don't want an aging quarterback, but like this is Russell Wilson. I know that like the taste is sour because he had a really really bad year last year. He was all plumpy and just the shell of himself, but I just have to believe he's going to turn it around. And your twenty four mid first, say it's a uh, Jordan Addison. Or something like that. Like, we don't know. 
we know who Russell Wilson is. Last year is not who Russell Wilson is. And he has Sean Payton as a coach. And I always think about uh, Will Dennison when he talks to me about this, like a starting quarterback is worth the first. Mac Jones is worth the first. Russell Wilson is worth more of a first and earlier first. <laughs> but I mean, it's just, just, just what it is, right? Daniel Jones is worth the first. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo probably should be getting a first for him. You know, 112, 110, 111. It just it is what it is. Uh, yeah, Russell Wilson's definitely worth the twenty four mid first, in my opinion. Yep, that's what I would expect to pay. Absolutely, I would expect I would expect to pay more personally. But uh, I traded Jimmy G for Devi one eleven, and I like, yeah, he's he, they, they're all worth that. They just are. That's what they're worth. And I think we need to normalize, like we were talking about last week with, uh, with who do we have on Kevin? Um, Kevin Coleman. Mm-hmm. We need to normalize Devi firsts being valued more like just a first, because I do think that they, I, I think that's their worth. And you know, you talk to Katie Flower; she she's come on our show many a times and said almost every round should be considered a first round pick, right? So we definitely need to normalize just all those, uh, just being considered first round picks. But yeah. I think the ballers missed the mark on this one a little bit. Russell Wilson, absolutely worth a first, and I would not feel yeah. any type of way about giving up a first for that. So, yep, just wanted to get my take out there after hearing <clears throat> after hearing. Small theirs. confession. I've never uh, consumed footballers' content. Really? Wow. They're uh, so huge. Yeah, you, I mean, you'd think I have, but I haven't. What's funny is I started listening to them, like, I mean, they were already big enough, but I started listening to them probably like six years ago or so, and... I mean, them and it was probably CBS. I'm trying to think. It was probably them and CBS where I started hearing like Dynasty, like just them talk about their Dynasty leagues. And I was like, Dynasty? Like, what do you mean Dynasty? And then like, I started like, I was like, oh, that's kind of like, it, it kicked me off. Where I was like, wow, this is exactly what I've been looking for in my entire life. But it, they do, they, I mean, they do great work, dude. Like they really do. Yeah. They, again, like, I don't think they're too mainstream. Like they're not like Matthew Barry where they like have just like, they're just totally like, a personality at this point they definitely (laughs) haven't hit that level in my opinion but um i just think that they aren't dynasty focused so they miss the mark sometimes because they haven't like they're in their own league markets and their league markets are not what what the dynasty community has been value you know evaluating players like like they they just have they've been doing this for 15 years their values are totally different in their in those specific leagues so i don't think they're in like the you know, the larger market that we kind of have exposed ourselves to with all the leagues we're in overseas and the community on Twitter and the whole nine yards. So, um, but I love what they do. Honestly, their dynasty show now that they do is with only one of them a week and it has their like stats dude and their injury guy, Matthew Betts. And I forgot what the other guy's name is right now, but it's a little different flavor and um, they do a pretty good job in there. So yeah, shout out to them. Cool. Respect, mad respect. Yes, definitely. Okay. So, this one was sent to me in a Dynasty Underdog League. Devin, Devon, I forgot, I don't know how you say his name, Devon, A-Chain, and Tank Bigsby mm-hmm. for Traylon Burks. Mm. I will say it did not get done, but it was sent to me nonetheless, so I figured I'd get your thoughts on this. Sure, I'll just take the two running backs. I really? love. Yeah, I guess so. Um, Whoa. I, I love Burks, but yeah, I think I'll t- take the two running backs. Okay, I'm a little surprised. Like, I just, I just think that these are two big question marks. Like, 
a chain. Obviously, he's getting some hype, and Bigsby is the backup for Etienne. I mean, one of the like essentially a chain would need to really hit, right? Yeah, that's true. That is true. And I think in my head, I was thinking Gibbs too. In my head, uh, not Bigsby, but yeah. Oh man, I love Burks. I just have a lot of questions about that offense and i'd see potential for both those running backs uh potentially being you know uh high-end rb2 type deals uh going forward and then even more after that possibly so um uh, yeah at first glance i'd probably just take the running backs but i mean those are right moving off of, see that's the thing is like but this is not a trade i would make if i had burks i'm not gonna give them away for 18 and i don't want them that bad and if I had 18 and Bigsby, I'd probably want to keep them uh, instead of trying to go for a wide receiver. So it's not even a trade I'd make, to be honest with you. So Okay, I, I feel you there. And and I under, like I do get it. Like the running backs, they could have more value long term, I guess. But I just, I guess I, I, I like A-Chain a lot. I don't like him that much. I'm, I guess I'm just a really big fan of Burks, and I think that he's going to have a, yes. a solid season. A pretty, a, I think he could have a breakout season here, to be honest with you, despite quarterback concerns. I mean, if Ryan Tannehill's in, uh, Brian Tannehill is healthy all year. That's a good thing for Traylon Burks. Yes. Yes. Okay. I got this deal done a week or two ago. I got Darnell Mooney and Noah Fant amongst a couple other like throw-ins to jump up in a draft or something. I forgot exactly what it was, but Darnell Mooney and Noah Fant for a 24 second, essentially. Let's just say that. I then sent Mooney away for a 24 second thereafter. Uh, so you got a free Noah Fant? Yeah. Good job. <laughs> I, I felt like I, I felt That's like awesome. no, almost no matter what you think of Mooney in the second, like I won the entirety of what happened there. You know? Oh yeah, so. you absolutely did. Yeah. No, I love those trades. I love making those trades more than anything. It's like where where you go and you grab a little extra, but then you're able to flip that extra for like the little piece you threw in earlier, and you like walk away with like a free something. Like I don't know. I love that. Good job. This one absolutely made me feel like it was one of the best, better feelings I've had in a trade in some time oh, yeah. because you're like, yeah, like I absolutely, like I, there's no doubt that I won something out of this deal. Like I got mm-hmm. something here. I like that a lot. I will say like, I don't know if, I, I know who the manager was and uh, he's a good dynasty player, but I don't know if the manager went and looked what I, or remembered or cared about what I traded for Mooney what what i to no. acquire him because but that's i do that at least i know what the market is for almost every player in my league that's been traded i'm just a nut job and i have it in the back of my head because i just i'll remember what it was traded for in that league for some reason like it's just how i am i probably should notate all this stuff down but one way or another like i know that you know x player was traded for a, a second like i'm not going to go trade a first for that player like his market mm-hmm. value in our league is a second. And if you're going to go and hold me to the fire and be like, no, like that was a bad trade. I'm not trading for that. Then I'll tell you, okay, great. I'll go find something else to do. But like, I'm, I'm not going to get, you know, raked over the coals because my league mates, a bad league mate and they're not a bad league mate, but my, my league mate doesn't really value players the way I value them. And, and I think miss the mark, you know? So um, for me, yeah, that one was just uh Yeah. That was a good one. Feel good trade. <laughs> feel feel good and also just like when you're going to make trades, look at the acquisition cost of those players in your league. See if they've been traded because then 
you can literally get what their value is in that league and that's your starting point and you can work either right under it or right above it however you feel if you really want to go get that player go ahead and pay for him or if you want to get a value you can go ahead and try to get a value and you know what he's worth in that league and you can kind of gauge so i think that's a i think it's a really smart move that a lot of a lot of players probably don't utilize yeah good job okay so last one we're going to finish off here with the dynasty underdog listener league two trade this is an interesting one i like this one dalvin cook for a 24 second and a 25 second and i forgot who the other manager was on this deal but i know that a friend of the show one of my best friends jake uh jake hornblum in our league he made this deal i think he traded the seconds away for dalvin cook so shout out yeah i think i believe i commented on this before but like that's like the going rate, right you're getting a really really good running back who's going to end up on a team sometime he's still got it wasn't that he was washed is why he kind of got cut or anything or his production for his value is just it was a contractual thing and he's you know uh fairly healthy i mean he has terrible shoulders they seem to pop out all the time but uh you know to get a player like that for two seconds especially if you're uh contending at any type of level whatsoever i mean two late seconds even for like two mid seconds like i feel like that's pretty good deal for dalvin now you just hope he lands in a really good spot if he signed in miami tomorrow you'd have to pay a first for him absolutely 100 percent or more than the two seconds. I don't know, however you yes, want to okay, yeah. slice it, but you're not getting it for the two seconds. <laughs> yeah, second in a player. Yeah, it, not getting them that cheap. So I think it's a smash. It shows a little bit of um, not intuition. It's a little bit of hindsight. Like you're, you're looking ahead at... Or foresight. Foresight. What, yes. foresight. Yeah, thank you. Foresight. It's foresight. Okay. Um, <laughs> just knowing that, you know, Dominic Cook is going to be more valuable than those two picks at some future point in time. You're going to have a, a hopefully a good, healthy, high end RB two, low end RB one type player uh, in Dalvin Cook for way less than you've been able to get him, and way less than you're going to be able to get him, especially if he lands in Miami. So I like this trade a lot. Yeah, I mean that's going to be cheap for a running back, a high end running back too, which is essentially yeah. what he'll be if he lands in a in a pretty good spot. And I know Jake's team, and I think I beat him in the playoffs to get to the finals potentially he has a really really good team <clears throat> to lose me yes yes correct yes unfortunately uh he has a very very good team very productive team so i think that this he's hoping this will be kind of like that extra oomph for his team and giving up two seconds in the future like that's yeah it's not a high cost for that so um i did want to say that a lot like this was from one of our listener leagues which if you're in the discord the dynasty underdog discord you'll get first dibs to our next one which we'll do next year but all like all these trades questions all that stuff like a lot of this stuff comes from there so definitely join the discord get in there and uh yeah just chat with us that's all yeah chat with us <laughs> all right cool <laughs> anything else you got no nah, man that's it that's all i got all right everybody thanks for giving us a listen this week to dynasty underdog follow us on twitter at dynasty underdog at uri dawkins and at willie bean dff Please join our Discord. Uh, check us out on YouTube. Check us out on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Just found out that Stitcher is no longer going to be around in a couple of months, so can't listen to us there anymore. Other than that, y'all have a good night. Get on Spotify. That's right. Move move all of the Stitcher listeners to Spotify. Get over there. All right, fam. <laughs> Peace out. Later, later, later. Peace out. Have a good one. <laughs>